Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It took me a while to even understand what binge drinking was because how people describe binge drinking is just drinking. That's author, speaker, and body image activist Nigel Marsh. And this is episode 211 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. This is episode 211 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast, a podcast that happens every week with Osher Ginsberg. That's me. And my guest today, my guest today is Nigel Marsh. More about Nigel in a moment. Thank you so very much for being here. I'm super grateful. Let me just adjust this sucker. I'm super grateful that uh, you um, made time to be here. Um, I hope you're well. I hope you're happy. I'm back in Sydney, back in my office, and I'm very happy about it. If you listened all the way to the end of last week's show, like the last 30 seconds of the last bit, um, there were some bonus waves of the South Pacific washing away the end of the show. I don't have them with me today. I just have the drone of my desk fan trying to blow away the Sydney summer day. But um, look, it's just great to be home. I hope your week was good. I hope whatever's going on with you is okay. Um, I, sh I should probably tell you about some stuff that happened to me this week. Um, better talk about what's going on because two significant things happened, happened this week. Um, two significant moments happened this week. Moment number one. Um, I went to see my psychiatrist this week. I have both a psychiatrist and a psychologist. I see my psychiatrist as a mechanic and the psychologist as a navigator. If we were rally driving, that's how the two of them work together. So I went to go see my psychiatrist this week. And after many months of slowly bringing down my dose of, of drugs, the drugs I'm on are tricyclics, kind of old school treatment for OCD, but it bloody worked. Um, after many months of slowly bringing my dose down, he and I have decided to 
give it a go for a few weeks without meds, just to see how I go. Now, when I went on these drugs, I was proper nuts. I was, I was still experiencing, um, well, I wasn't on the antipsychotics anymore. I, I was still experiencing fleeting spasms of actual physical pain that, that ruminated through my body with these thoughts that just, just, just wouldn't stop looping around my head that, that sometimes come between five to 15 times a minute. I would be punished, you know, as if I was, you know, being just shoving a fork in a PowerPoint is how it made my body feel. Uh, life sucked and the drugs I'm, I was on, they just weren't helping. So we changed the drugs that I've been on, which worked really well for me and for my OCD. Initially, it was a fairly solid dose. And over the months, uh, we've come down and down and down to a place where, as I mentioned the other week, I did. I had a, had a bit of a relapse. They, they occasionally happened here and there. I would have a relapse. But it was something that I could now handle using the tools at my disposal. Um, when I first went on these drugs, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with what was happening. But now I'm able, using you know various things, I was able to to mitigate the effects and the lasting, the distance, the time that these these episodes would, would last. I've come to letting go of the resistance that came with my condition because nobody wants to have fucking OCD. <laughs> um, but now I'm in a lot more acceptance of of what my brain is and what my brain does. Uh, part of that acceptance is the understanding that from time to time, those thoughts will return. But now I'm able to mitigate the severity of the effects of these thoughts and the, the length of time that they do affect me um, using tools that are really available to you and I, uh, sleep, nutrition, uh, talk therapy, talking to my wife about things down, about things, what's going on, writing things down, and very importantly, exercise, moving my body. So for the next two weeks, he and I are going to have a bit of an experiment to see if these tools alone are enough to help me defend my life from those thoughts. And if that's not, a, that's not, that's that's okay. If it doesn't work, that's all right. I, I might not be ready yet. Those meds are there. We know they work. I can use them again. But that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. So you may ask, if you're feeling good, why go off meds? Well, um, at first... You can't get them down your neck fast enough. At first, well, I couldn't get them down my neck fast enough because they brought relief from the punishment, the incessant punishment of my own head. However, once the punishment kind of fades away, you start to live, well, at least I, I was starting to live with the effects of those meds, the side effects of those meds, which can include but aren't limited to weight gain, vanishing interest in sex, <laughs> And kind of experiencing the world as an all-round kind of no hard edges, nothing spiky lump of grey rather than the vibrant spectrum of emotion that the world actually is. But at first I needed the world to be that lump of grey so it was safe for me to go about my day. However, as my brain has adapted and my neural pathways have changed and I can now cope with the broader spectrum of ups and downs and triggers. The lumpy kind of greyness of everything does make me feel a bit detached from the world. And that's okay if I lived alone. It was fine when I was just by myself. But when you're trying to have an emotionally rich relationship with a family, my family, it can become difficult. You can appear to be disconnected or detached. 
and that's tough. So that's where I am with the meds. It's day four. So far, things are okay. I've been doing a lot more other than the meds to compensate. I have to ramp everything else up even more. So if the meds were one-fifth of what was going on, um, and now that's gone, everything else that I was doing, sleep, nutrition, exercise, talking, all the other things around that, that's now ramped up. So those things were all 20% of the, the solution. Now they're 25% of the solution. So I'm I'm definitely doing a lot more of all those other things because I have to. I can't just not take meds and then do nothing else. Um, but that does bring me to thing two that happened this week. Uh, you have heard me talk about my hips on the show, like an old man complaining about my pains. Well, one of the very kind people that listens to this show is in elite sport and heard me talk about my arthritis and busted up cartilage and otherwise kind of grim outlook with the arthritis and stuff. And this person was kind enough to put me in touch with their surgeon who helped them a lot, a bloke down in Hobart. And look, I'd seen two surgeons already. I thought, you know, fuck, I'll fly. If it's a difference of what I feel and feeling something better, I'm happy to go fly down. So I flew down yesterday. And this guy is like, I've heard about orthopedic surgeons who are rock stars. This guy is the real deal. He is a real deal orthopedic surgeon rock star. I mean, look, races his own yacht in the Sydney to Hobart. Um, when he's not racing his boat, he's racing his car. He's got a sports car that he he races in targa rallies a couple of times a year he's such an experienced surgeon he's gone from doctor which most surgeons go by and he's like come right out the other side of expertise to to mister once again which is a title reserved only for the most accomplished of surgeons they've gone all the way out of doctor and way up into mister again he's a Good-looking fella. He's bigger than me. He's got a, a shock of grey hair above his left eye that accompanies an otherwise illustrious black mane. And he spent a full hour talking with me about what's going on with my situation. I've heard it before, and it was very hard to hear, but the way that he told me, it made sense and it was okay that I'm never going to run again. I used to define myself as someone who ran every day. I kept myself at a level of fitness where I could run 10Ks and was running 10Ks every day. And look, I am grateful to have run the runs that I've run. Is that a sentence? Yeah, it is. I'm grateful to have crossed the finish line of more than a few marathons with friends old and friends new. I've had uplifting runs that have changed my day, changed my brain on bad days more than I can count. I've used a run to change the way I'm feeling more times than I can count. However, it turns out that, I mean, I spent so much time in front of the light box where they put the MRIs and the x-rays and stuff with this guy yesterday. He talked me through everything. It was really good. turns out that because I was actually quite fat as a teenager, I topped out at 112 when I was 17, but I was fat from when I was about eight. That actually affected how my bones grew and it affected how the neck of my femur, the, the long bit of your leg that goes from your knee up to your hip, that's your femur, and there's a neck of it that comes from the top of that out into the ball, which is the part that sits into your hip bone. Um, it affected how the neck of my femur grew um, at an angle, actually. And... Mr. Rockstar Doctor, or Mr. Rockstar Mr. Surgeon, 
put the MRI against the light box and he went, hmm, should have come to see me 20 years ago. <laughs> the moment he looked at it. So while I did run all those thousands of kilometers in training, in competition and just managing my head on a bad day, I was running on a, I guess the only thing is on a deformity um, caused by being overweight as a kid. That affected the mechanical motion of my hip and was slowly degrading the joint, the cartilage, wearing it away with every stride. I didn't know that until just a few short years ago. So it could be six months, it could be two years, could be 10 years, but yes, I actually am. I don't know I've said it before, but now I really have come to the acceptance of it. I'm going to get hip replacements. And when that happens... Hopefully, I'll be able to talk this guy into also implanting some sort of biofeedback mechanism, some kind of accelerometer or something else that I can put in my body. Um, because if I'm going to become robo hips, I'm going to become fucking, you know, enhanced cyborg robo hips. <laughs> um, but from what other people, I guess I've, I've spoken to other people that have had hip replacements and it changed their life. They're like better than the last 20 years that I had the, my actual hips for. So that's where I am with that. Thankfully, I can, you know, I can still cycle. I can still, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is I can still ride my bike, which is great uh, because I still bloody need that, you know. I've got a very low tolerance for dismissive or arrogant doctors, uh, both my parents being doctors. They, they really taught me that patient care and treating a patient starts with their emotional state, and that was actually the most important factor to making someone feel better. And this doctor was, he was kind, he was informative, he, had allowed, he allowed me to ask the same question six different ways, and he gave me six different answers that all said the same thing. Yeah, he's got a swagger about him, but that's okay, because it did make me feel a whole lot better about, you know, what's otherwise a fairly devastating piece of news. He, as I said, he's the third doctor I've seen about this, but he's the first that's made me feel okay with redefining how I move my body physically to alter how my head is on a bad day. And that was really important. While he usually sees athletes that are, you know, elite, his office is wall-to-wall with signed jerseys and photographs of people like, hey, that's that guy. I mean, you know that person's name because they're household names. But I did explain to him that, look, you know, I might not be, you know, a gold medalist or world number one, but moving is vital to my mental health and he understood that very very clearly and he he seems fairly committed to helping me maintain that and achieve that so look i'm probably never going to crew anyone for bad water unless i drive the van um i'm, I'm not going to ride it i'm not going to run any full triathlons unless i'm part of a team i'll never run another city to surf damn it i had the gorilla suit ready but that's okay I can still ride, I can still walk, I can still swim. And I'm, you know, really bloody grateful for that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what happened this week. <laughs> um, the other thing that happened this week is I got heaps of photographs of where you listen to this show, and I'm so grateful to each and every one of them. Um, you're probably listening to this on a telephone or a mobile phone, and they have a camera. So whip out that phone pull it out of the cradle in your car if you pull over or pull it out of your bag or out of your pocket or wherever it happens to be. Take a photo of what you're looking at 
and send it to me. You can get me on Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter or wherever, but you could always email them. Send Osher email at gmail.com is my email address. And, you know, this week, uh, this podcast has helped people uh, in their beach walking, bush walking, uh, friend driving, poolside chilling, house cleaning and traffic sitting in and many, many, many more. But it does, you know, I'm thrilled to find out where you listen and how this show helps you get through the parts of your week that you go, you know what, I do have to do this thing, but I might, you know, put something in my brain while I do it. So thank you very, very much for all those. And also big thanks to anyone that told a friend about this show, because that is really well, like the only way that I can make this show grow is if you listening right now, tell someone that you care about, hey, try listening to this episode. It was really good. Um, that really helps me grow this show. If if everyone that listens told one other person and they all signed up, it would double my listeners and that would mean I can go then to PR agencies and go, look, you know, Zac Efron's coming to town. Can I get Zac Efron? Look how many people listen to my show. He'd be mad not to. Um, but I don't have those numbers and Zac Efron's not coming on the podcast. And yes, I did ask. Um, but uh, yeah, so... More people that listen means better guests, means better shows for you. So it's a it's a it's a kind decision that you do, but it's also you know helps you. You get to have a better show to listen to. It's a win win. So thank you very much to everybody that did that this week. Let me just tell you right now. Let me tell you about my guest today. Nigel Marsh is an author, a speaker, a body image activist, and the powerhouse behind. The Sydney Skinny, which is one of the largest organised skinny dips in the world. And he does it in an effort to promote body positivity and a healthier relationship with yourself, uh, getting out of your comfort zone, doing something that you would otherwise never do as a way to kind of redefine what are the things you can do and should do. Nigel wrote the best-selling book, Fat, Forty and Fired. He has a brilliant outlook on life that will challenge Whatever amount of comfort you have in your comfort zone, causing you to look at what it is you're doing with your day, even your life. He is a, he's a very good salesman because after this chat, I signed up to the Sydney Skinny. So even though I'm utterly terrified of being naked in public, even shirtless in public, I, I am so shit scared to stand on the pool deck when I go swimming with Gigi. But I do it anyway because feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, but if you sign up to the Sydney Skinny, thesydneyskinny.com.au, uh, you'll see me there on the day. I'll be there next to you. We'll be naked or we'll look at each other in the eye and talk about podcasts <laughs> and then we'll jump in the water. Nigel has a brilliant TED talk, which is about work-life balance. I thoroughly recommend it. I'll pop a link in the show notes. And we do go quite deep on this one. We even get into talking about drinking as Nigel and I both share the fact that we don't drink. This chat might challenge you. It might challenge the way you look at your work might challenge the way you look at your life, your body, maybe even your drinking. Uh, but, you know, that's what this show is. There's a lot to pack into this conversation, so um, we should probably get on with it. So wherever you are right now, if you're at the gym, uh, you're driving, you're sitting in a plane, you're hiking, walking, running, gardening, kayaking, any other kind of ing that you're doing, thank you for having me in your ears. I hope you enjoy this while you do what you do, this conversation with Nigel Marsh. Morning, Nigel. Morning, mate. How do you do? I do very well. It, I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, managed to find 
the time in the brief windows of my schedule to come and join me here today because I know we've been planning this for about a year. Your accent sounds like you are, however, not from Sydney. No, I am a POM. I actually uh, don't think I sound like a POM, but I, I heard myself on an answer machine and I sound like Prince Charles, which is not how I... It's, it's not how I hear myself. <laughs> I hear myself like, like I hear you. But right, hear right, you. right. So, and, and, and which part of the mother country did you originate from? Uh, you're about to see a grown man cry. So I, I am a military kid. So um, I may have been born in Plymouth, which is a naval base in the southwest of England, but that doesn't actually matter because mum and dad move around every three years to go to America, Germany, blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's what military yeah. people do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then what you do, which is my narrative rather than my parents didn't love me enough, is you send your kid to a boarding school in another country at the age of five. Yeah, fucked. Now, 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 you've got a 13-year-old daughter, I guess. Yeah, 13, yeah. So at five, I was still wiping my, you know, kids' asses. You go, that's too young? Uh, it's suboptimal. I would, I would and politely suggest. And where was the boarding school that you went to? I, I call it a prison. Yeah. So, the, so the prison was in Dorset in the southwest of England. So is it the one that we see in the films with the, the, the like the Monty Python kind of play on these kids, that, you know, oh, Jenkins! Your mother died today. Moving on. Is it that kind of uh, thing? Holy crap. It is. All those who think they have a father take one step forward. Not so fast, Marsh. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that sort of. So the, the headmaster, oh. if you get the, the Daily Telegraph, which is a different paper in England than it is in, in, in Australia, but it's, it's like a broadsheet, so like the Australian or something, uh, front page on whatever date, 6th of December 1999, Robin Lindsay in jail for paedophilia. Robin Lindsay would have been my headmaster. Fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's people, suicides, buggery, running away, bullying, and all at a vast expense. Oh. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, anyway, that's a very long answer, you poor bastard, to, no, to where no. you come from. So, so uh, you could say I come from Plymouth, which would be misleading. You could say yeah. I come from Dorset, which would be misleading, because I, I never was allowed to leave the grounds. So, uh-huh. so the answer would be I went to school in Dorset, yeah. and then each holiday... I would go to wherever mum and dad happened to be in that. And that would, would they live on base wherever they were? Yeah, yeah. Mar- it's, they're called married quarters. In uh, you, 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 How romantic. Yes, indeed. <laughs> which, is, which is hilarious. If you are in the, uh, the British military and you go and stay with someone else, it doesn't matter if it's Malta, America or wherever, you, you recognise the furniture. You go, oh, well, you've got this table. And you go, well, of course you have, because what, the houses are furnished by the, by the military. Oh. So, so you grew up as a little six-year-old thinking that's mummy and daddy's cupboards and you go no 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 it's the british government have bought 150,000 cupboards and then put them in the the little places where they live so when you're traveling on holidays do you go solo from school to where they were or do you get accompanied or how's it go this is good questions no 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 you, you go solo what in the back of a c-130 or it's, it's it's a train no 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 in, in, on on it was a so British Airways used to be called BOAC. Yeah, right. As in fluent from Miami Beach BOAC. That, there you go. That's yeah. uh, right. Okay. Um, and so my dad was posted to Norfolk, which is in Virginia in America. When I, I was the youngest boy ever to go to the Sherman Prep School, uh, and so you're sent off as a little five-year-old with shorts that are too big. I had a brother that was two years older than me who, who was make sure we don't lose Nigel. Yeah. You know, and, and take this train, that bus, this thingy, and mummy and daddy will be at Norfolk Airport. Huh. And I have the distinctions. It's a family story of the only child to be sick on every single mode of transport that has been invented. 
So I'm sick in the taxi, sick in the car. I was sick of it. Every, every, we didn't take a bicycle on that trip, but apart from that, uh, plane, everything. Hovercraft? Uh, <laughs> not hovercraft, yeah. Have you been on a hovercraft? Uh, uh, yeah, they're horrible. So, so weird. Yeah. Like, I hate helicopters as well, actually. So, so I, I mean, you might be part of them, I can't do it. Too noisy, too scary. I actually don't mind a helicopter, no. but they're awful because once you've been in a helicopter and have experienced true point-to-point transportation. Oh, no, I, I, I get that advantage. Yeah, like, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, we just avoided four hours of traffic and it took us 10 yeah. minutes to get here. Yeah, yeah. Right. I have a dream that one day the only time I'll ever be in a four-wheeled vehicle is from wherever I am into the golf cart, golf cart, helipad, yeah, helipad, yeah, chopper, yeah. chopper destination, chopper, golf cart, golf yeah. cart. And it is, so we, uh, ages ago, um, Kate and I did, Kate is my wife, we did a, um, I, I love doing the glamping, hikey things. Oh, that, the glamping, that, hikey things. That's my yeah. idea of heaven. If I could afford to be doing the... The, the Bay of Fires or the Milford Track or the Coast to Coast. That's, that's my idea of mm. living the dream. And we did the, um, the Milford Track. And then someone, we had such a nice time. And then someone said, oh, you can take a helicopter back. And you think, well, A, I hate helicopters. And B, that will be expensive. But not that expensive, bizarrely, because it's for tourists. You think, do you know what? We're going to do it. And holy crap, the, the view... So it's having walked for three days in one direction through beautiful thing. This is in New, New, Zealand, New Zealand, over the, the fjords in yeah, Northern Sound? Yeah, that's right. Sound. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then you fly back, and you, it's, it's the perfect combo. You go, you go, I've walked that, and then I'm now above it looking at it, and yeah. you go, yeah, love it. Amazing. So I can only imagine when, what, you leave school at 17 in the UK, 18? Yeah. All right. So was there a clear path? Uh, March, you're going to university. Or was it, what, what happened? Did you like, I cannot wait to break out of this place and just go get loose? Yeah. Um, so when I say we're a military family, I, I'm not sure I gave you the full flavour of that. So not only was dad in the British Navy for 36 years, yeah. my brother, I've only got one brother, no sister, was in the army for 29 years. Uh-huh. And my mother was in the British Army when she met dad. Right. And back in those days, which makes me laugh when I talk to more my tree-huggy, left-wing friends who are lovely and gorgeous. Yeah. They don't understand this story. So when mum got engaged to dad, what they do is they hold a tea party to say, congratulations, and you're fired. Yeah, that's like that, that, that look of incomprehension. How old are you? You're 40, are you? 43. 43, okay, so, yeah. so I'm 53. But so that, that is, in my lifetime, as, as in my parents, that was completely normal. No one would bat an eyelid. You go, congratulations, Osher, or Audrey, you're fired. You go, All right, your career over because we can't have you two married. Yeah, no, 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 you just, you can't work. It's like, it's like uh, the, the oh, right. We're medieval expect- society. You go, oh, okay. so, so you are now, you're not, even, you're not pregnant, you're nothing, you're not even married yet. Big congratulations. What, what's Audrey's line of work? Oh, she's a makeup artist. Right, not, any, not anymore, you're not. Okay. Because you, you've engaged to wash her, so you're fired. <laughs> so, right, so you have to stay and have a tea party and smile at you and go, you're fired. Wow. And then here's a box and you can fuck off. Anyway, so so wait, wait, that, that's just for standard policy. Wow. No one thought that was unusual. That was, well, you, yeah. you clearly will be ironing some shirts and making some volivons and... Okay. You've got a new job now, sweetheart, which is... So, so it was really military. So for as long as my mum was allowed a job, she was military. So everybody in my family was military. Uh, and when I uh, left school... So I left home at five, basically, because terms are longer than holidays. Yeah. Yeah. And then you leave school, uh, and I nobbed off to a kibbutz. Actually. Yeah. Which part of Israel were you? So Far Bloom, which is in uh, the Golan Heights near Kiryat Shimona. Oh, yeah. Uh, and spent, I mean, so it was like, so for me it was an all-boys school oh. and you can't leave the grounds. Yeah. And your parents are in another hemisphere. Nice. I need, there isn't, 
I need, I need a season ticket to a therapist, right? But then, then you are uh, released mm-hmm. to a kibbutz in a sunny area where every month a coach arrives and giggling Danish backpackers, female backpackers, get off it. Uh, 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 you go, uh, I mean, I, I've died and gone somewhere. You, yeah, you, right. You, you, you know, you, you, so, yeah. Wait, so I, I, I didn't join the military. I, I joined a kibbutz. I'm just trying for a to year. do the maths. So that was 1982, 83. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, to be honest, but I think 82 would probably be. 82. I was born in 64. So, first, so, okay. So, 10 years after the Six Day War, Golan Heights is still. A few bombs being lobbed over. Yeah, Golan Heights. Bomb is, you're, yeah. You're, you're less than five kilometers from oh, Lebanon. Holy. Syria's across the hill yeah, over yeah. there. It's very, I've, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time up there. But for folks who don't know what life on a kibbutz was like, it's very different now. That the people tend not to travel and do their kibbutz thing yeah. so much. Are, are they closed now? I think no, they're still they're still okay. around, but they're no nowhere near as thriving right. as as they were for people from overseas to come and just and, right. and work on them. Could you explain a little about what work and life was like on the kibbutz? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean so the reason I went, I mean, it wasn't any ideological reason, or I wish it was, but it wasn't, uh, was I left with 50 quid in my pocket, so $100 or whatever, uh, and I lasted a year. And you go, how can you last a year with, with 100 bucks? You go, well, there is one place in the world, which is a communist village, which is called a kibbutz, and the babies live in baby houses, not in the, not in with their parents. Yeah, you're making this up. I'm not making it up. Yeah. And you eat in the, in the canteen, not your kitchen. You know, you're making this up. I'm not making this up. It's a communal society where you all muck in, you live in huts and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and you do manual labour. So I worked in the fresh farms. I worked in the fields. I worked in the factories with a with a oxalacin torch and blah blah blah. And you don't get paid, but you get your food and your blah blah blah. And and that they and Far Bloom was quite a big kibbutz. Uh, so they had. I mean, it, it, it's it's actually brilliant and thought provoking and and a wonderful thing to do early in your life. Where they had like, you know, not just a baby house and the canteen, but a cinema and and, and a theatre. And it, it is. A vision of we're all in this together, and and you you muck in, mm-hmm. so, so so wow, it's a very uh, interesting thing. And, and but within that, so it's a, a great place to be when you're eighteen or nineteen, especially if you've never seen a woman before. Blah blah blah. Um, but human nature doesn't change. So although you're all equal, yeah, but one of the huts is next to the River Jordan. That's quite nice. So who's going to get that one? And although we're all equal, working in the fish farms is quite nice because you're in water and you knock off at eleven in the morning. And working, cleaning the loose is less nice. So there is no equality. I, 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 I don't mean that horribly. I'm not complaining, but there just there isn't. You can't level everything out. Yeah. You just you just can't. I mean, it's more level than being a hedge fund manager in Manhattan. But it, but it, you know, so kibbutz sensational. I thoroughly recommend everyone to go there. <laughs> so when time was when was it time to go? Uh, so I I mean I did a bunch of stuff within that year. But bizarrely, I hitchhiked through the West Bank, and and all, it's things that now I mean. It wouldn't even be possible, let alone stupid. Yeah. It was stupid when I did it, but it was still possible. So I, I did all that. I worked in a Moshav, um, which is where you do get paid a little bit. I, yeah. I, I cycled from uh, Far Bloom all the way down to Elat and blah, blah. So You rode a bicycle? From- I the whole way. That is so cool. Well, well no, it's not. It, it is cool if I wanted to mislead you, which I don't, because if you think it through, what is the route from Far Bloom? Fucking to- desert. No, 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 to the Dead Sea. What is the route from Far Bloom to the Dead Sea? Oh, Downhill. Oh, it's downhill. Because the too. Dead Sea is the <laughs> lowest bloody place on the planet. So, so you think, oh, what a roughy tufty blow. You go, you just, 
in no gears yeah, and you're, yeah. you're I mean obviously you've got to do a little bit of bicycling but yeah so we did and slept by the side of the road and blah 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 and all that stuff so yeah. we had a lovely time uh, but then I um, came back after a year and um, went to university to study theology oh holy yeah. crap there you go exactly uh, what, what drove you to that uh, I've always been interested yeah. I think religion is sort of too important just for me not for anyone else you can do what you want uh, it's too important to be ignored yeah so I was genuinely interested in you know, cracked in. Was that a path for some sort of... Uh, no, no. I, I It used to... I'm a bit of a contrarian, so it used to irritate me that people in authority who supposedly knew what was what would talk to me with certainty about stuff that's uh, quite important. So in a sort of contrarian way, you go, well, I'm going to learn more about that than you. Hmm. So if the poor old, you know, you don't want to be a Jehovah coming to my door in, 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 in whenever it was 35 years ago because they'll say have you heard the good news and I go I have actually what version do you want do you want the original Greek version because I've got it here and I can read Greek and let's have a chat and they run down the hill screaming <laughs> so, so just you know it's just fun to you know I've never I've never uh, fortunately or unfortunately just the truth I've never uh, been bitten by any particular faith so I can't bring myself to believe i'd like to i'd love it if i was a any of them really mm. but i'm not so it's a bit of a seeker uh, and just sort of investigating that to, sort of to this day you know in the most recent weeks last eight weeks in australia we've had the same-sex marriage plebiscite yep. um, conversations going on and yep. i've been deliberately online engaging people who are no! like yeah. in all capitals and okay so what are you actually worried about and i i can't why do you, Nigel? Yeah. It's, it's it's quite confronting to engage people and speak to people yeah. who are one hundred percent convinced that revelation yeah. is coming, yeah. and that they, by voting no, are are giving a compassionate gift to gays because uh, uh, I'm saving them from hell from yeah, their yeah. sins, yeah. and they are one hundred percent convinced that this is real, yeah. and I'm. I, I, Flabbergasted. Well, so for me, I'm not in any way surprised. Right. Just not in any way surprised. And, and, and just don't take this wrong. Uh, not bothered. I, 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 I mean, you go. I, I, I sort Help of, me be not bothered uh, by it. Well, well it, it, it depends on the result, which I imagine will be a resounding yes thing. So, so my uh, Christ, and this is not. I'm not in any way an expert. Or so my view on all of that is I mean if you could have a different way where you just pressed a button that would be great and it was legal but we're not so that's a different reality I'm a, pra I'm a pra yeah. pragmatist I mean um, so if we're in a situation that we're in just just win and then it doesn't matter you have, you have so the, the mistake that I not I don't know what you do in your entire life but but I wouldn't waste my time trying to convert a Hasidic Jew or a hardcore Catholic or a whatever the religions are that think you're going to burn in hell because you're a yeah. whatever um, I, I go that's completely fine no, don't, don't worry knock yourself out but they're just more of the other people than you and you've been outvoted so you you know you're just not with the time you know I, I, I wouldn't for me I wouldn't fan the flames or fuel it just yeah. win and then they become irrelevant and there's a wonderful I forget the name is it uh, US stand-up comic is a brilliant line which is if you're against same-sex marriage i've got the answer for you don't marry someone of the same sex <laughs> isn't that fabulous you that's go, you really go, good isn't that great you go oh, I've, I've got it i'm not making you marry a man or a woman i'm just saying i'm gonna let dave marry fred yeah you go great 
Yeah, now, yeah. And then the fact that the hardcore religious person won't, you go, well, that is a problem if they can stop them, but it yeah. ceases to be a problem if they can't. Yeah. You get that, that's all right. I mean, I, you know, whatever. But it's interesting. I, I hadn't really thought of that. It's interesting because we were talking about Israel and I've, I've been up to Mushroom. I've been to the super, super hardcore Orthodox neighborhoods that. No electricity on Saturday, all that stuff. I believe it's still Poland in the 1600s. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. Would I stand on the side of the street and try and convince one of these people? Why bother? It would make absolutely no sense. Yeah. It would be a waste of my time and uh, frankly disrespectful to them and everything they believe in. So, and, yeah. and also, outcome wise, is. Don't get me all uh, sorry to be religious or intellectual. That's all right, mate. That's what we it is. What is the outcome you're after? Because what you will probably do is come away upset. Oh, I have been. Yeah. So, so I, I tell you, so, I, I was driving on Ocean Street, mm. uh, and a and, and I'm in my little stupid school bus, having dro- just dropped some kids off at sport. And there's a merging lane, and I'm in the right lane that doesn't have to merge. And then the the bloke in the left, I didn't realise this at the time, is being a a dork, right, and, and trying to, you, you know, hold his lane and then, you know. Last minute push it. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, but I didn't sort of realise that. And then and then when I did realise that, I, I sort of slowed up to, to, to let him, but but only after it had become clear that, oh, one of us had to. And he wound down the window and, and gave it. And because he is so completely in the wrong. Mm. You, right, but then you go, let it go. But you, you've got to let it go because... I'll never see him again. I don't know who he is. Mm. And he, but, but, but you go, but just let it go. So there is someone driving around who's a complete hat who drives stupidly, but, but it's not helping me to, you could spend all your time, which I, I see some people in the, uh, the, 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 the yes campaign, um, where I advise them, just don't, don't bother. You're going to really upset yourself because, because you'll get a bloody nose in terms of they'll, they will say, no, I don't want you to. Mm. And, and I, I just, um, who is it with? It was some quite famous journalist. Where I was going, um, it, it doesn't surprise me and it is completely understandable. That's a different... We're losing the capacity to have a nuanced debate. If someone were to say to you, I believe... This is not me. I've voted yes, blah, 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 people like us. But equality is a different concept to changing the definition of the word marriage. I would like to change the definition, but, but they, are, they are different. But even that concept, some people would just burst into tears and have a miserable month. But it be, you, I've met people who go, I don't understand how those two things can be true. Mm. Well, educate yourself better. Of course they can be. I, I choose to right. want to do that, but they are, they are different. So if there is someone who is a hardcore religious person who has a set of beliefs, there are people who believe, I don't know, the world is flat, who believe that, yeah. you know, have you seen Book of Mormon? Oh, yeah. How I almost cracked a rib. I yeah. almost, my wife bought the t-shirt. Hasa digger Iwobe. I, honestly, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Hasa digger Iwobe. Lovely. Anyway, but, but Mine, I got the one that says I'm going to man up all over myself. <laughs> I, almost, I used to spend a lot of time in Utah. Okay. So I, like, my first day I ever spent yeah. in America, the first full day I spent yeah. in America was in Salt Lake City. And uh, if you've never been there, it's a, it's a wild place. Speaking of religions, people, speaking of people yeah. who are just so 100% convinced yeah. that this – Story yeah. is the truth, yeah. and enough people agree with the story to accept it as the truth. Yeah. Uh, that is a wild part of the world. So, so the, that, that, that is a really good example. So then, I don't believe what the Mormons believe, mm-hmm. but as long as they're not the boss of me, who cares? But I mean, they're really nice people. Exactly. <laughs> but, 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 if, but if they don't believe in, oh, I don't know whatever they believe, you go. Well, what's it do with you, Nigel? 
Mm. Now, so now, and then that's why it's great that the yes vote will win by a landslide, I imagine. If it doesn't, I'll change everything I'm saying, because then, <laughs> then I will then mind a lot. Yeah. But what I'm saying is you just marginalise it. Do you know um, Louis Theroux? Yeah. Um, he has a wonderful programme. Oh, sensational. It's, he... You know how he befriends people rather mm. than... So he's doing it with the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Holy crap. But the way that he does it is not... He, he makes friends with them and they have a chitty chat and blah, blah, blah. And the bloke's got a pillowcase on his head and blah, blah, blah. And he's holding a demonstration in the local, you know, shopping mall. Mm. And there's no one there. I mean, people sort of walking by, those four people, and you go, that's how you deal with it. You go, have you seen the losers with the... It's hilarious. Mm. Whereas if you had a... And counter, mar- then it would be front page news and someone would throw a brick and blah, blah, blah. You just sort of, maybe I'm naive, just ignore them into their irrelevance. I will try to be less triggered by this. <laughs> not one of, but I appreciate triggered. it. Triggered. <laughs> no, hearing, hearing the way you talk, you know, and, and obviously you've got more experience in dealing with people um, than I do uh, in that kind of realm, um, through your studies, you know, it just kind of gives me a different perspective and it has really unlocked a lot, you know, oh, trying to, not to convince uh, someone who's so, so hardcore to, to change their go. ways. Just let go, let go. Did you meet some interesting people doing theology then? You would have, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, so uh, there's a big difference between a theological college, I don't know what it's called in Australia, but where you go a seminary or something, yeah. where, where it's, it's a... It's a training... It's a pastor priesthood. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Whereas studying theology uh, at the university I went to, but I think at all any English university, is like studying geography or physics or, okay. or whatever. So you comparative religion, philosophy, ethics, blah, blah, blah. So met lots of interesting people, but also just love the study. Mm. I mean, just fantastic. I mean, if, if you want to, can you bear a little bit of religion? Can I tell you a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So, so if you do biblical studies, it just opens your mind. You know, a Mormon would burst into tears if I were to say this, but if uh, in there's four Gospels and in two of them, Jesus on the cross says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And in two of them, he doesn't. Well, he either did or didn't. Mm. If you think it's a historical document, which it isn't. No one who knows anything about it. It's not, it's, all, they were all written 80 years later. Yeah. And they're written by people who have points of view. It's not, therefore, they're tricks or liars. You go, so if you think Jesus is half man, half God, then he would be able to doubt basically himself. But if you think he's fully God, well, why would he say, me, me, why have you forsaken me? You you, you wouldn't be able to say it. But so just, it just opens your mind to a different way of looking at stuff. If you study comparative religion, you are, well, I don't know, you're now going to tell me you were born in Wales, but but you probably aren't a Welsh Methodist. That's correct. Right, okay. And that probably isn't because you've done a bunch of intellectual examination and decided that Welsh Methodism isn't for you. Uh, no, it just just didn't happen. It's because you were born in Wales, you numbnut. <laughs> right? So there aren't many Welsh Methodists in, in Mumbai. Well, yeah. well, well, why would there be? Yeah. Right? So obviously, so if you think about the infinite, if you think there's more to life than buying the latest bloody BMW or renovating your kitchen, there's, there's, there's more to it, like most of humanity has for the last 10,000 years. The, the, the image that I hold is, is the people, the blind people on different height uh, stepladders around a big elephant, describing an elephant to a scribe. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you go, they're all struggling towards an ineffable truth, but none of them's got the monopoly on it. It, it seems weird that to say, if you're a, you live in Mumbai, that every Welsh Methodist is stupid. And it seems weird if you're a Welsh Methodist to say every Buddhist in Sri Lanka is an idiot. I mean, surely 
maybe none of us really know. Yeah. But we're struggling. And anyway, so, so all those sorts of things, it just damns, for me, a damn sight more interesting than studying economics or whatever. You go, these are, this is important shit. But how do you, okay, uh, yes, it's important shit. And when you go to say to your military family uh, <laughs> that you haven't chosen a path in the military, for one, that would have been an interesting conversation. But two, all right, I've just graduated. Um, now I'm, how are you, how are you, how are you going to make money? Yeah, that, that's a disaster. <laughs> that, I, mean, I mean, that is a real rolled gold disaster. Yeah, what happened? Uh, gosh, I mean, do you want to hear all this crap? I mean, I, 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 no, I, I'm really interested. Okay, like, no. and like you, you went to university following something that you were really, you yeah. know, quite believed in. Yeah. And then you come out of it and you're like, I'm, I'm going to pay the rent somehow. Yeah, I'm screwed. I'm, I'm totally rooted. So, so I went to London, lived in a car for four days, uh, eventually got a job on the railway. Uh, you, you know, I mean, just an absolute train crap train crap <laughs> uh, uh, and then uh did that for a year and a half worst job of my life you know walking to work rather than taking the bus because i couldn't afford the bus fare blah 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 uh and then got a job bizarrely working for the health service the a government employee doing the aids campaign this is in, in you know 1980 whatever you're good at dates but you know when it was getting hundreds of millions of dollars from the government yeah so, so you had tombstones or whatever grim reaper or grim reaper yeah so so i was the client at an early age i just literally just applied uh for this job that i saw in the paper and i went to the interview i was miserable in my current job living in a squat blah 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 uh and lied just just non-stop for an hour and a half in this interview i mean i, I mean i i, I couldn't believe they didn't kick me out about my experience and my da, 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 da. And I got home and said to my friend I was living with, Simon, fucking, oh, that was ridiculous. I've just lied like a bastard in an interview. And the phone rang and it was them saying, you've got the job. <laughs> and you go, oh, oh, help. Anyway, so I went, it changed my life because it, it was, uh, it, it, for a whole host of people, I could talk for ages about their job. Um, but so I got the job and I'm working for the government and it wasn't just AIDS, it was anti-smoking, look after your heart, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was doing health advertising. So you get into understand what motivates people and blah, blah, blah. And then long story short, one of the advertising agencies who would do our campaigns for us said, you shouldn't be working there as a union government, you know, oily rag. You should be working at my Wizzy advertising agency. And, and I said, yes. And, 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 and then... That's sort of right up until 2003. That's what I did. I was on the, I was having a nice time, met my wife in the advertising agency. You know, it's quite a fun business and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, it's like basically life on the kibbutz um, with like just way more after parties. <laughs> <laughs> and booze. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like, what do you mean? Someone else is paying for the beers? Yeah, yeah. Right on then. So, so we had, when I talk about my mum uh, being fired uh, for getting engaged, is, is in, so this was 89. Uh, we had a free bar. So the chairman would come round every day with a trolley at 4.30. The chairman? The chairman, Peter Mead, with with, um, with drinks on it to be at your desk and it would be, uh, Osher, do you fancy a, you know, a beer or a wine? Or a, you know, <laughs> and at then, 4.00? 4.30. And then, and then you go down and the bar will be open all night for free. And we, I mean, we had, the, um, we had the Labatt's account, which is a Canadian lager. Uh, so just yeah. hot and cold running Labatt's. You go, how much would that cost you? That would be nothing. You go downstairs and say, I'd like 200 bottles of the bats. And they go, sure. Far out. And for, now I, I don't know about you, but for someone like me, I, uh, what's that going to do? Like, can we talk about alcohol? Yeah. Okay. Then, so want. when access to alcohol like that yeah. arrives, what does that do for you? Uh, I mean, I think it's, um, 
largely dependent on the individual is the truth. Um, so doing history, my dad in the Navy, the early days of the Navy, they paid partly in senior service cigarettes and rum. I'm not making this up. This is not, you know, 1700. This is my father. He passed, mm. passed away. Everything. But you, you go, well done, John. Here's your month's pay. And it would be some money and two cartons of filterless cigarettes and, yeah. and a quart of rum. Mm-hmm. And you go, woo, social engineering. Uh, so, so obviously, if it's free and it's available and blah, 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 then it would encourage it more. So if you're susceptible to having problems or over and indulging, whoppity wop, that's what it is. So I, I, it took me a while to even understand what binge drinking was because how people describe binge drinking is just drinking. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand why they've got the word binge in there. You go every single lunchtime for four years, I would go out and have three pints of beer at lunch, like everyone else that I'd ever met or worked with. And then every single night, I would drink until I either got into a fight, had a root or fell over and was sick, like everyone else that I ever met. I mean, that's, I don't understand why you don't understand a type thing. Yeah. And then you reach a, or some people do, you reach a line where you go, has that turned into a lifelong problem or hasn't it? Yeah. And for me, the answer is yes, it bloody has. <laughs> yeah. It's funny you mention that because when I, uh, working in the music industry, which I, I guess, you know, possibly not too dissimilar to the industry you're mm. in, in its attitudes towards drugs and alcohol, yeah. um, in that uh, when I thought about it, there was probably five people removed from me was the first person that probably thought it was a bad idea to not yeah. do what we yeah. were doing. Uh, everyone in my in authority, everyone surrounding me, the mm. people I surrounded myself with, the circles I was traveling in, it was just all part of it. Yeah. And um, bars were open and drugs were around yeah. and it was all, you yeah. know, I don't understand. This is the thing that we're all doing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't until then I'm the only one in the room uh, <laughs> alone in my house. Yes. <laughs> So, so are, you, are you clean? Are you... Seven and a half years. Oh, congratulations, man. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's, um, uh, well, 2003, so whatever that is, for 14 years. All right. Um, uh, but I never did drugs. I, I mean, apart from, you know, once a decade or something, but I was, I was never a, a drug person. Right. Uh, so booze was my sort of drug of choice. And then that, I mean, is this, this is boring. Do you want to hear about this or not? No, no. not at all. So, so uh, I think it's important to talk about binge drinking because I was just thinking about this last night. You know, I mean, that ads are different now, but... Uh, I, when I'm in Brisbane, I drive past the 4X brewery every day. Yeah. And yeah, the TV ads lied to me. Mm. I wasn't sitting. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
walking on the beach drinking beers with cricketers. No, no, no. Like, apparently that's what happened when yeah. you practice sixer. Yeah, but yeah. no, I was, you know, at home alone hating the sound of the ch- yeah. <laughs> but not being able to not do it. So it, it, it took me, gosh, so I, I spent probably 10 years uh, up until 2003 trying to moderate in different ways. Which I mean, you, you see it with people with diets, you see it with people with drugs. Like, like you go, yeah. if you are trying so hard to moderate something, yeah. there might be a lesson in there. Which, so, so for me, the problem is again, it's a bit like diets. Is they do work, they do work. Diets don't work. This they fucking do. They work. Excuse my language, but they don't. They're not sustainable. Yeah. So if you keep on changing the ones that you do, well, then they keep on working. So you go, oh, yeah, pity do. I'm on the pineapple diet or I'm on the Atkins diet or whatever it is, right? So if I'm doing the Ox Sober or Dry July or I'm only going to drink beer or I'm only going to drink wine or alternative days or only six a week or whatever the idiotic delusional moderating strategy is, it, it takes a while, and for most people, they're poor bastards have to be beaten teachable, to go, the moderation thing's not working. So just maybe your relationship with alcohol, Nigel, isn't a healthy one. Yeah, because there isn't a thing you haven't tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the thing you are avoiding uh, is giving up for good, because my life up until then was not as a conscious thing, but entirely based around drink. So literally buying houses near good pubs, N- not that stupidly, but as you go, part of the benefit of that nice house in London is you know some nice area, lots of nice pubs. You, you know, so, as in it. it Every social occasion is based around drink. La, 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 la. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, without going on about it, I, I came to a, you know, decision where you go, do you know what, that's it. Uh, 5th of April 2003, and I have never touched a drop. I am quite determined when I make my mind. I've ne- I have not touched a drop. Not, right. not, not, not one drop. Have you, have you accidentally picked up a drink? Or accidentally uh, had uh, one handed to That you? is interesting, actually. I, so I drink non-alcoholic beer if... If that's the, oh, really? I can't do that. Yeah, yeah I, I can. I, uh, I, I can't even drink kombucha. Ah, okay. Just even the yeah, yeah. The, the, the fermentation uh-huh. that is enough to trigger me. I can't. Wow. Do that. Yeah. So there was one occasion. I, I tell an untruth. It was in my house where lots of nice mates around, but I picked up the wrong bottle, hmm. uh, and uh, I, I took a swig, and uh, holy, I, I was really, really upset. Mm. You, you, you know, you go, holy crap, this is not, I'm not going back there. So yeah. spit out, clean teeth, completely, yeah. you know, privately dramatic. You know, that, yeah. oh, holy crap. But that is literally the only time alcohol has touched my lips. Right. Yeah, it's a similar thing. Happened yeah. to me twice. It's happened to me twice. Uh, I accidentally took a swig and it hit me and I was terrified. So I speak about and I write about some of these things if, if people ask me. Um, and the people who love you and are closest to you can be the most damaging and unhelpful. Right. So, you know, Osha, just the one. You know, come on, just the one. Oh, yeah, just yeah. the one with the food. Just the, And you think, holy crap. I mean, yeah, so it, it's not easy. No. But if you're seven years in, you, you, you've got all the stories and you know it. But I imagine in your first three months, there have been some idiotic mates that didn't want you to give up drink, who thought you were a bit boring without right. drink. or You know, you, so sometimes... For me, you've got to be, listen with the ear of your heart, you've got to be internally motivated. I was lucky in that I wasn't living in Australia. I was uh, kind of removed from a lot of my circles of influence. Right. Uh, so I, w- I was in Los Angeles, which is like, if you want to get sober. That's worse, isn't it? Oh, no, are they all sober there? Are they all- oh, mate, if you want to get sober. It's all decaf this, coffee, isn't it? Oh, mate, I'll, you know, I'll never, I'll never, some of the, um, shall we say, some of the gatherings of the fellowship that I went to. Right. Um, you look around the room and go, Fuck if you can do it. Yes. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. There are some people you go, 
just get your head around the Billy Connolly line. Every man's got a barrel of alcohol to drink in his life, and I finish mine early. <laughs> you know, you go, it, it's over. I, I, it's not, and, and what you do to start with, you, you're in resistance and denial. You go, I'm, I'm just searching for the way where I can get around the giving up thing. Yeah. And you go, no, 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 no. Yeah. I remember, it's interesting, you talk about getting your head around giving up. I had to trick myself. I knew that I couldn't ever do it again. Yeah. But I could. It's like the you, the, the you and the observing you. You know, yes. like when when you meditate, you you, you observe yourself. And so the, I was observing the me that still had the rain, still had the wheel at that point. I was like, I'm gonna have to trick this guy yeah. into just okay. So I, here's what I did. And I wrote down in my little book. He goes, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna not have a drink for six weeks. Um. I'm I'm just I'm not going to have a drink until I can have a healthy relationship with alcohol, and I'll, and I'll, I'll make another call in six weeks. Yeah. So I've got to six weeks, and I'm like, I'm just I'm not going to have another drink until I feel I can have a healthy relationship. Yeah. And by about ten weeks, I was like, I just can never do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that from the start. Yeah. But I had to kind of trick myself. It's like doing the dishes. You have this massive pile of dishes. Yeah. I'll just wash one plate. I'll just wash one plate. Yeah. Right. It was just that's how I had to trick myself into doing. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, but I was I was lucky in that I had that ability to kind of observe that. The ego me was yeah. totally running the show. So, um, but the, the danger, which is, I mean, if anyone listens to this, the, 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 the helpful insight, which is it's terrifying, is if I, if we, this interview was at night and you said you fancy a beer and I was stupid enough to say yes, I would just have the one beer and that would be fine. And I wouldn't then go to the pub and I wouldn't drink a bottle of whiskey. That's the danger. And I would then say, well, that was quite nice. I had a beer with Osher. And then I'd say to my wife two days later, let's have a bottle of wine with the pizza. And that would be fine as well. I go, well, actually, that's why I drank the beer with Osher and the bottle of wine with Kate. That was quite fun. Six weeks later. <laughs> exactly. That, that's the date you go. It's, so for me, the problem is I can. Diets work, but they don't. You know, moderating works, but it doesn't for some yeah. people. So yeah. that, that's the terrifying, terrifying thing. You're at, and you're at, that's even just you saying, describing that scenario yeah. gives me the willies. Yeah, yeah. Because do I know Never exact, do it. Don't do it, mate. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, probably it's been seven and a half years. Yeah, I, that's it. I just one. A, Audrey with, just got just, a nice bottle of champagne from work. You know, I, I mean, I go on holiday with my wife, watch the sunset, yeah. have a nice drink, go to sleep. That'd be lovely. Mm. But it's... Ten weeks after that's that, it. six weeks after that. It's not that one, but it's the one that's down and, the track. And for you and me, and this will never be touching wood the same for Kate. Some people have got the disease and some haven't. Yeah. It will never not be the case. Oh, that's, that's true. It will never, never. So you might delay it for four months. Yeah. And then three months in, you'll think, it's a clever disease. You think, well, I've got this cracked because Nigel said after six weeks, well, hey, it's three months and I'm fine. Yeah. Mate, it's coming around the corner. It's like, it's like that cartoon where the guy wakes up, and obviously been drinking, his bottles around the bed, and he goes, I've got away with it. And there's a, a one-ton weight that's, that's dropping. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you were going through all this, how, how did the relationship with your, your wife, I mean, guess you were with her by that point. Yeah, absolutely. How did you, how did you, um, how did you manage to hold that all together? Uh, uh, I don't want to be uh, soppy or anything, but I'm unbelievably lucky. You know, she was, I mean, she was, you know, just enormously helpful and understanding. And, you know, we, we love each other. Just had our 25th wedding anniversary. It's, you know, mm. for better, for worse, all those wonderful things. And, and I wasn't, um, you know, I'm a nice bloke. You know, I'm a well-intentioned. I, I wasn't a bachelor or a whatever. I mean, the reason I gave up is I wanted to be a good dad. I didn't mm. want my son, Alex, we, I love rugby union, sit on my lap watching Super Rugby and drink 10 beers. I was the wrong role model. But it's yeah. not like I was, you know, hideous before. 
and hideous after. It's just a challenge that we have within my relationship. She was great. Although I do, I do take the piss, and I put this in one of my books, where she will get me to go to the bottle on McPherson Street and pick up the booze. She will get me to make her a gin and tonic. She will drink it and go, ah, oh, that hits the spot. And you go, look, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous. Okay, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> so so I, I didn't in any way, I mean, I don't know how it would have gone if I said, I'm giving up, so you must. Yeah. But, but, but that wouldn't enter my head. You go, I'm giving up, a bit like the, the gay marriage thing. You go, I... I yeah, but that's that's my drama. It's not your oh, drama. No, no. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I often say, look, just just because I lost my license being an idiot doesn't mean everyone has to stop driving. That's right. You yeah. know, did but... you lose your license? No, <laughs> no, I didn't touch. I was always smart enough yeah. to. I, I, no, I was always of means to have been able to organise alternate transport yeah. home. Cool, and that was I had the option to have always taken a cab. Yeah, uh, I, I was lucky enough. Yeah. Lucky enough to have that. So when you were, I'm, I'm guessing things were going pretty good for you, though, to to find your way out to Australia. Uh, at some point, your career must have been flying. Well, how did that work? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to overstate it, but but I, I, I so I after my they don't promote people and, and move their whole families if they're the you know yeah, yeah. not good. Well, yeah, right. But, but so uh, yeah, I was doing all right. Um, so I was working for an American multinational. And they asked me if I would, um, you know, come out and run the companies in Australia. Right. And I said yes. And when did you get here? Uh, I, oh, gosh. I, my first day at work was 9-11. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I, I was expecting a brass band and bunting as I walked into the office in a, in a standing ovation. And I hadn't heard the news. Mm. Uh, and I walk in and everyone ignored me. And they're all crouched over, you know, devices uh-huh. and looking at, you know, world events unfolding. Right. Yeah. So, I, yeah, gosh, never forget that. So I arrived four days before that. Mm-hmm. I had to find a school, a car, a house, a blah, 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 uh, and then turn up on 9-11. Wow. 2003. 2001. 2001. Right, right. Oh, 2003, okay. 2003, I fat 45, gave a drink, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right, right. So don't, don't, don't. So, so how, lean over that. So how long have we got? Because I want to talk to you about the Sydney Skinny, and I, I could talk to you. You're so nice. I could talk to you for no, ages. And you're going to say, our time is up, no, I, don't like, have to but, be, I don't have to be anywhere for two hours. But how long have we been bollocksing on for? They'll, they'll be turned off by now. No. How, how long have we been going for? We've been 48 minutes. No, I would turn off by now. No, no, no. Keep listening. I'm going to talk about the swim. Right. No, no. Pe- honestly, people listen for... Good. I believe. I, I listen to podcasts for three hours. Wow. Okay. All right. I just. Do you know what? I've never listened to a podcast in my life. Oh, that's fantastic. So I, I went. I, I googled you because I thought it would be rude not to. No, no, no. Uh, and then I went onto your website and I was flipping through the people you've interviewed, uh, and I, I clicked on Cindy Gallup. Ah. Oh. Make love, not porn. Yeah. Anyway, Did you but, work with her? No. But but I, I've seen that TED speech. Yeah. But, but I, and please don't don't be offended, Cindy. But but is I, I listened to her, but I, I can't. <laughs> I can't do more than 10 minutes. I mean, it was great. But I thought, so maybe I should do the bite-sized thing. No, no, you're great, man. This it's, has been great so far. Are you sure? Okay. No, 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 it's great. She's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. She's hilarious. A, I mean, what? That's a weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, just a weapon <laughs> of... <laughs> Uh, uh, just a weapon of, of marketing and a weapon of yeah. advertising. She's yeah. un, just unfuckwithable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's really a very, very powerfully powerful woman who will not take shit from anyone mm. and freaks people out because she won't take shit no, from right. anyone and if she was a man no one would blink so have you, have you seen her ted speech oh yeah 
hilarious. I mean, you know, hello, I'm a whatever, 50-year-old woman. Yeah, and I, I have a lot younger of sex. Men. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have sex with younger men. No, thank you. I would rather you didn't come in my eyes. <laughs> She's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went to her apartment in Chelsea. Boy, that was a – used to be the men's toilet of the YMCA, her right. apartment. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's a very – she's a really uh, a wonderful, wonderful lady. Uh, military kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Military kid much like yourself. So um, you, you've, you're gleaned over fat, 40 and fired. Uh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, For folks who aren't aware of it, I'll give them the intro. In the intro of this, I'll, I'll, I'll take them through it. Okay. Um, but uh, can, you, can you give us the, the, uh, the Cliff's Notes uh, – of what happened to get uh, you that? Yeah, but but you know, stop me if I crap on too long. So 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 the the, the simple thing is, um, I had quite a conventional career. I mean, you know, theology and stuff notwithstanding, but you know, conventional advertising career and and, and doing you know mildly well and relocated around the world uh, to a country where I had no friends or family, which is fine. Uh, to a firm that was not doing very well, I mean, it was doing awfully, so that was quite stressful. Um, uh, I was fat, I was alcoholic, I had four kids under the age of five. Holy so, moly. So quite a stressy, you know, but that's fine, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. Um, and nine months after I had relocated entirely around the world, they closed the firm. Um, fair enough, these things happen, blah, 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 longer story, but it wasn't in my plan. I wouldn't have moved around the bloody world if you're going to go. I mean, that, that, that's... You know, that spoiled my weekend. You know, that, 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 that's not a, that, you know, that's not good. Uh, and then, I mean, the truth of the matter is, I mean, I, you know, I studied theology, so I read weird books and whatever else. There was a phrase that changed my life, which was pause for a moment, you wretched weakling, and take stock of your miserable existence. And you go, wow, you're talking to me. This is great. It's really good that I am 40, because I was 40 at the time, because at the age of 40, you are living the life that you choose. It's one thing if you're 23 and trying to make it in, 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 mm. in TV or whatever and blah, 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 and you've got to do things you don't want to do and la, 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 and you go, it's fine. But, but you know, one of these days you were going to, you already have, but you'll, you'll, you'll grow up and get serious and go, well, how do I want to live? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and how do I, and, and, and that's fine. I, I, people can make whatever decision they want. But many people don't, and they need the big, what I call the big four, death, disease, divorce, redundancy. We all got mates who come back and something awful's happened, their wife's diagnosed with cancer or their kid's got something awful or they lose their job. Well, you sit down and you go, hold on, uh, uh, what am I doing? Well, just what am I doing? Uh, anyway, so for me, I, I, the, the combination of things that I've described, you go, what am I doing? And then I had this awful, bloody operation, holy Crap. So on top of all that, I had to go to hospital to have an operation on my ass. You go, you are joking, aren't you? Right. So you go, so not only am I, you know, fat, unemployed, alcoholic, blah, blah, blah. I'm lying on my stomach with a nurse packing seaweed gauze into my ass wound. You go, I, I reckon I'm, I'm approaching bottom, really. Yeah. Uh, excuse the pun. Uh, uh, so uh, I, you know, had this this process where I thought, you know what, I am going to decide to put the things that are important to me and that I value and that I love at the centre of my life, not leave them at the edge. And and that, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. And, I, and again, a bit like me when I decide to give up drink. This is before I give up drink. You know, I can be very determined when I make my mind up. So I am not joking. 
that is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let someone else decide my life. It's, it's decide, don't slide. I am now the boss of me. You are not the boss of me. Right. Uh, and I accepted that that would mean my career would be a disaster. I would have no money. I'd have to move out of that house. I'd da, 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 da. You go, that's fine because this I'm not joking. I am. I don't want that. I want a life where I can be authentic and all those wonderful things and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, and there's a falsehood in Fat 40 and... Fo I wrote a book about it called Fat 40. There's a falsehood in that book um, or an implication because obviously I had been thinking about these things forever. You wouldn't go off and study theology or blah, 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 or you wouldn't want to. So, so, so it's not like rapacious, idiotic banker finds family you go i've always loved my wife i've always loved my kids and i've always been struggling about how this is not working la la the, the the bump in the road for me or the lots of the bumps that happened at the same time gave me the courage which i wouldn't have had otherwise to go well if i can't do it now when am i going to do it what when i'm 50 what when i lose my job twice when i'm 10 stone overweight rather than four stone overweight you know you go mate wise up to yourself you're either going to take control now or you never are and what is impossible to do 15 years later is explain how risky that was because obviously certain things worked out. But that wasn't, I'd never written a word. I'd never given a paid speech. I hadn't given up drink. I, you know, no one wants a fat, unemployed, 40-year-old advertising executive. You know, it was, you are voting for everybody. Everybody said, what are you doing? Nigel's having a crisis. You know, get another job. Blah, blah. And I, I, I don't know where I found the courage from. I, I went... Fuck you, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm going to be dead in 50 years' time. I don't want to, you know, have a lonely old age full of regret because I didn't have the nuts to sit down and think about what's important to me and off we go. So, long, boring story. So, so I, I then uh, decided to do that, but without any roadmap, without any, there is nothing. There is, I am just unemployed. Holy crap. And then I've been on a journey ever since. Uh, I wrote a book about the first year of that called Fat 40 and Fired because I was Fat 40 and Fired. I wrote another one called Overworked and Underlaid. Not going to talk about that. Uh, and then another one called Fit 50 and Fired Up and blah, blah, blah. And I'll probably write one called Sad 60 and Single or Slim 60 and Sexy, depending on how, <laughs> on how the decade goes. Uh, but but so but that's, that's just me self-indulgent, vain, crapping on about myself. But so, so uh, yeah, that, that's... But I, I write how I talk, how I live. It's not a mm. persona or an act. It just, that just happens to be my, you know, that was my journey. And, and, and the thing that was, was just delightful and gorgeous and wonderful is having never written a word before in my life, it, it, the book, and I'm not saying this to brag, but, but the book was successful. You know, most people write a book and they can't get it published or they get it published, no one buys it, blah, blah, blah. So for you know, I feel very grateful and I'm sure it just, it was sort of luck and of the moment and whatever else. But, but so Fat 45 was the best selling locally authored book of whenever it was. And, and it's been made into a TV series and it's been translated in different languages, la la la, uh, which is great because I, 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 I meant it. So, so I wasn't even going to publish it and whoppity whop. So it, it's, it's still in bookshops now, 12 years later. Uh, and, and part of the reason, because I didn't write it for an audience, I didn't write it for a message, I didn't, I wasn't even, that they asked me, lovely people at Random House asked me to write, you know, two, when I went back to work, two chapters about that, and I said, get fucked, I'm not going to, you know, it's just, it is what it is. I, I, I then caved in and did write about going back to work. Um, but part of why it, it speaks to people and blah, 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 is because it's completely authentic. It wasn't, 
I wasn't trying to build a mm. career as an author. I wasn't trying to, you know, I haven't then written the Fat 45 diet or the Fat 45 exercise program. Uh, you, you go, so it, I, 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 by mistake and by pure luck, had a book that I still get emails every single week from people in countries I've never been to saying, oh gosh, I read Fat 45 and I've had over 30,000. I write back to every single one. I take it as a, as, a, as a gift and I promise that I will. And some of them, there's a special relationship because they think they know me, yeah. which, which they do because I put myself into my book, because they think they're never going to meet me. Well, why would they? Because I'm just some idiot who lives in Bronte and they live in Japan or London. Um, they, it's a safe relationship. So they tell me they don't love their wife or they, you know, they cry when they go to work or they've got problems with drugs or da 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 it's amazing. It's just like amazing. Mm. So my, most people's lives at forty contract a bit. Mine sort of exploded. Mm. I, 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 you know, it's sort of not not commercially. I mean, you, you earn four fifths of fuck all from from publishing, but but I'm not, I'm not complaining. But but so, so the fat forty five thing, just like an amazing. It helped change the life. It, it used, yeah. it's, it's sort of affirming. But when I made the decision, I had not written a word I didn't have an agent I didn't have a publisher I had not as I said it just was a there's a wonderful um, American lady I did a speech with called Ellen Langer uh, the mother of mindfulness but confident uncertainty I'm not sure I was so confident about it but a bit but, uh, um, determined uncertainty was I don't know what's going to happen so then if you said to me I would have done the jobs I've done since I'd say you're mad I'm unemployable if you said I've written three books I'd say you're mad I've never written you know but it's the it's the car headlights philosophy you go I can see you know, the car, if you're driving to Canberra, the, the car doesn't light the whole bloody way. It lights the next 50 yards. But then when you get in the next 50 yards, like you're six weeks, when you, when you get the next 50 yards, it lights the next 50 yards. And la, 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 la. So, you know, looking back, you go, oh, well, that's all right. You gave up change your life and you wrote a best-selling book and you went back with the CEO of a firm and you, la, la, la. You go, well, yes. But none of, I mean, not, none of that wasn't uh, foreseeable. It was extraordinary extraordinarily unlikely as you're walking around with your donut pillow trying to find a nice place that's, to sit that, all this sort of stuff that's is, right right so for folks who might have just resonated with what you just said about um i don't know how i'm going to do it but i can't keep doing it this way yeah what's the first thing they do uh well you i, I don't know as you're saying what what should they do or what is the first thing they do well, well yeah, what's what what should they do if people are listening to this and go you know what I'm going to have to make a change. Well, I, bizarrely, I, I'm going in a couple of weeks to, I've been flown to San Antonio to talk to three and a half thousand equine practitioners. Holy crap, which is horse vets. Too, horse vets, right? very important. Uh, and the, 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 the key fact about horse vets and why I've been hired is they are four times more likely to top themselves. Crikey. When I do a speech, which is how I make a third of my money or if we get the time I'll talk about the other two things um, I, I, I'm different to, to some speakers they're, they're all lovely but it is, is although I do make my money from it that's not why I do it every time I do a speech I don't do very many I try and do the best speech that people have ever seen and I try to change <laughs> Messiah complex I try and change everyone's life in the audience I can never phone it in I can't do it I, I, my, it doesn't mean I will I mean la, 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 but I, my yeah. intent is to go over there and change three and a half thousand people's lives of course I won't they'll boo me off stage but, but that's what that's my intent. It's not collect a fee and fuck off. Mm. It's, it's changed their life. So, I, I mean, I take it unbelievably serious, which I get, you know, my hair falls out and get nervous. Um, so for them, you're talking to people who are four times more likely to 
kill themselves. I'm halfway through writing the, the, the speech. So it goes to your question is it's all about reflection. It is all about finding the time to reflect. Think about, but age helps. And as in, if you're 23, you might have to do things you don't want to do. But, but you're 43, you said, aren't you? Mm-hmm. You're right. So you go, and it's very confronting because people don't want to. Uh, and I'm not talking about going off and living in an ashram for six months. I'm talking about, you know, maybe 10 minutes in the bath. Is think about an honest audit that no one else has to see. You haven't got to tell your wife or anybody. You go, the type of man, because I'm, I'm talking to, to you, but person, but man you want to be, the type of life you want to lead and the legacy you want to leave. So think about that without fear or favour of, oh, I can't, you know, I, I won't have the money or I can't. So think about that list and then think about the real list. Yeah. So the type of life you are actually leading and then the type of legacy you will leave and, you know, the type of person you are. Now, in the bath, quietly, secretly, people know. I did a little bit of teaching once. And if you get kids to mark their own homework, they actually get it right. Ten percent give themselves 100 percent, 10 percent give them naught, But most people actually mark themselves correctly. So the truth is when people actually want to do it and do it, they'll sit down and go, oh, I wanted to help you know, poor people, I want to be nice to my mum, and, and I actually I'm, I'm just an idiotic banker, and I, I'm not saying bankers are idiotic, but you know, you, you, they know, they, they actually do, an, when you do an honest inventory of yourself, people usually do it quite accurately. And then you look at it, and you go, is there a gap? Okay, and in most people there will be. And then you say, it's a bit like solving drink problems, whatever else, you go, no one else can do it. For the government can't, the church can't, the blood, you know, it, it's you, right? So are you going to address the gap? Because if you are, then you'll be fine. That doesn't mean, oh, I want to have $10 million. No, 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 it's not about that. You will be fine once you decide in your heart to to change that. It's about values and living authentically. So for me, uh, whether I'm running a company or or writing a book or giving a speech, my motivations are I want to make a human connection with people genuinely. I want to make a, a value contribution. So, so say something that someone listening to this might find thought-provoking or helpful. That's actually why I want to do it. And I want to be present in the moment. So sitting in your kitchen with you, not worrying about the crap I've got to do this afternoon. And you go, well, well that will do. You know, that, that, that will do. It, 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 I may achieve none of those three things. Well, but, but, I, but I, that's what I'm trying to do. And so it, it, sort, it allows me to then relax about it. So if you're talking to someone who's struggling in pain, you go sort the, do the real work and then don't have to have the roadmap. Don't do anything irresponsible. So people say to me, oh, should I take a year off like you recommend? You go, I've never recommended that. I would never recommend it. They're not self-help books, they're they're, they're, they're self-indulgent comedies. I mean, fuck it, right? So some people say, on no circumstances, give up your job. You've got responsibilities, you numb nut, right? But just sit down, I know people who, Seriously, uh, people who might be within 500 yards of here who have got, uh, you know, Byron Bay, holiday houses, ski cottages, boats, houses, no mortgage, kids have left school, la, 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 wives are very happy in their work, yet they are miserable. Now, to that person, I am allowed to say, well, you can give up work. <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, you can, it, yeah. but only if I'm not advising you to do what you want, your life, not yeah. mine. But, but you can, I'm allowing, you can do it. Yeah. Now, someone else who goes, well, I've got six kids and I've, you know, well, don't. So you've got to live in the real world. Yeah. I've even forgotten what the question was, mate. No, no, no. I think you've given enough to, to, to just make sure I heard you right. Like finding some time to uh, yourself. You don't have to tell anybody, but doing an honest and, and uh, uh, 
very honest inventory. Yeah. Uh, column A uh, will be uh, what is it that you that you, you want to do? Mm-hmm. Column B, what is it that you are doing? Yeah. And the the gap between the two of them uh, is is your responsibility. And when are you for people? And I, I say this. I mean, it's none of my business. But if someone were to ask or to pay me or to blah blah blah, you go. And if they, everyone's got a delaying tactic, like mm. drink, oh, I can't give up drink yet because I've got a speech at my mate's wedding or I've got a party. You go, but when you actually decide, when you actually decide, it becomes the right time. If you're waiting for it to be the right time to give up drink, trust me, mate, you're on TV and there'll be a party. There never will be the right time. Yep, or you're getting married or you're doing whatever else you use, but you've mates bucks night, la, 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 la. If you decide to decide, it becomes the right time. You go to my mate's bucks night, I'll go and not have a drink. So what you do is you sit down, you look at that, and then if people are going, there's a big gap, but I can't address the gap yet, lovingly, if you're in the right relationship, you can say, when are you going to fucking take yourself seriously? Not, not have tickets on yourself, but when are you going? So you don't count? You're, you, you've told me you're living a life that is against everything that you want. You're not a little you know, 22-year-old trying to make his way in the world. You're a 47-year-old. Well, it's like you've given up. You, you know, you've got the gift of life, this mm. beautiful, amazing world, and you are telling... So without having to have the answer, you go, I don't know what the answer is yet. I've got no idea where the car lights will go. Yeah. But what I am saying, you we're all God's children, is don't give up on yourself. You are allowed to, you know, yeah. take yourself seriously. Not in the way that that sounds, but take your motivations seriously. And is it in the in that column when you did your own yeah. uh, things and when you repeated these, is that where things like Earth Hour and <laughs> Sydney Skinny shows up? <laughs> well, so here we go. Oh, God. Ah, oh, mate. I am so passionate about the Sydney Skinny. It is so, which I understand, misunderstood. Yeah. But 100%. So there are things. Have you heard of Poems on the Underground? Who's on the Underground? Poems on the Underground. In, in, in London, on the tube, on the subway, yeah. that, that you get adverts for Guinness and Tampax and holiday insurance and blah, 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 and then you'll see a poem. And you'll think, well, well what's that advertising? And you read it, and it, it's not. It's just some bloke set up poems, you know, just to make your life... Some, a little nicer. A little nicer. Reading a poem while I'm standing on the, on right. the tube, breathing that air. And you, do you know David Hanley, the bloke that set up Sculpture by the Sea? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you go, well, if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be able to go for a walk and look at a sculpture. And yeah. then you, the bloke who did the High Line in New York... You go, well, it, oh, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. So this, don't, don't tell anybody. No one listens to this today. So, so my motivation, my real motivation, and I do it a bit like my books. It's a comedy, but actually I want to try and help, but it's a comedy, right? right. It is the Sydney's going to be always fun. Come and jump in the harbour, right? It's transformative. It changes people's lives. I would like it to be as if anyone gives a shit, but in my grave, I want it to be my legacy. I don't think anyone else would give it to you, but I'd like your grandkids to do the Sydney Skinny with my grandkids. Right. And then someone to Google it and go, oh, that fucker Nigel set it up. Is, is I believe that life expands or contracts in direct proportion to your courage. And as we get older, we get fatter and we get more boring. But the magic happens outside your comfort zone. Yeah? And I know people who haven't taken a risk in the last 12 months. I know people who, don't, who can't remember the last risk they've taken. Now, if you do that inventory on a different way and go, think of the things that you are most glad that you did in your life. I guarantee this would work with you, but I won't make you do it. For me, asking Kate to marry me, having four kids, moving to Australia, giving up corporate life, whatever, all of them, all of them involve risk. 
all of them, I bet you of asking your lovely wife to marry you, whatever else, did it, all of them involved a risk. Yet we go, well, all of the good things in my life involved a risk. So I'm going to conclude I'm not going to take any. That doesn't make logical sense. That doesn't make logical sense. It, it, it's illogical, right? So what I will do is I'll design an event that is the safest way to step outside your comfort zone. Now, I meet a whole bunch of people who, who define their comfort zone in a self-serving way. I, I don't mind. So, so, so it's not, you know, people misunderstand. It's for people who the last thing I will do is get naked because people might see and I'm Osher and the Daily Mail might take a picture or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right? So genuinely... You, you can read minds, clearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd be scared and I'll be on the... Terrified. Yeah, of course. Right? So this is why you're going to end up this podcast saying I, I, I'll do it. You are. Don't worry. You, you won't be able to help yourself. Right? So what you do is you go, it is a all-ticketed, no-spectator event in a secluded national park where you are clothed on land, you're covered underwater, and you get given a sarong as you come out the water, people standing waist deep with sarongs. So your pathetic, ugly, hairy backside will be seen by about two people for about half a picosecond, right? And if, don't worry, I've got, this is, tell me to talk about someone else, but I'm actually talking about you. If that is outside your sense of adventure, I lovingly would say, what the fuck is in it? And if you are <laughs> so wet that you won't do it, I go, that's fine, forget my swim. But if your sense of adventure is representative by your response to doing that swim, if that is representative of your sense of adventure in other areas of your life, your sex life, your finance, your career, your family, this might be a useful data point. This might be a useful data point. It's a joyous, amazing, wonderful thing with people just step out. It changes, holy crap. You can see the emails that people write to me. It, one, so thing one, courage, right? Thing two, acceptance. My mate, Max, who's in a wheelchair, 24-hour care, he's lifted out of his wheelchair into the, into the harbour, right? Ladies with mastectomies, size 23 lady, which is seven of yous. It, it, it's 89-year-old does it. It's about we're all gay, straight, black, white. You know, we are all earthlings sharing this one small, insignificant planet hurtling around a vast, meaningless universe. Let's just think about the things that, you know, make us the same rather than make us different. And there's a, we've got a lady with the body image movement. People go, eh, my life will be happy if I lose three kilos. It will be no different, no different than it was before. Chekhov had the wonderful thing. Anyone can face a crisis. It's day-to-day -day living that's a challenge, right? So take your hand off it. Take your fucking hand off it. Get in the harbour. Come out. And what will actually upset you, there's an amazing bloke called Charlie Teal. I'll tell you about in a second. But what will actually find people, and, and Lane Beachley does it, and, and Charlie does it, love it, it is no one's looking. In fact, no one even knows you're there. No one definitely gives a shit that you're there. And, uh, and so it's an amazing, uh, you know, we're just an earthling. You know, for that, for that lovely 25 minutes, we're swimming around this thing. Everyone's going, hello, mate. They're not going, oh, I've seen you on The Bachelor. Or they, 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 they go, hello. It's just fantastic. And so it's all about so courage, acceptance, and then charity. What's just happened 
What's just happened is the reason that I was terrified to have you on this show. <laughs> the reason that I was utterly Come on terrified. Come down, Osha. Get your caps off. The reason I was utterly terrified to have you on the show. <laughs> when I found out, even when I was, because I knew you were coming, and obviously I was looking back through all the emails of why you're coming, and I, there's even an email to my manager going, can't wait to have on the podcast. Don't think I'll do this win. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I was in Weight Watchers when I was eight. <laughs> I was 112 kilos when yeah. I was 17. Yeah, yeah. I have lived a fat yeah. person's life my entire yeah. life even when I was at my skinniest yeah. I'm on meds at the moment so my yeah. metabolism's all fucked yeah. up um, so I'm currently pushing 90 that was you know when I was 70 when I was 20 kilos lighter I still thought I was fat yeah all right I look at photos of myself five years ago I'm like I can't believe I thought I was fucking fat and the idea of getting in the yeah. harbor surrounded by strangers naked yeah. is so fucking terrifying to me so can I tell you yeah right, there are some things I am certain of yeah right death yes taxes yes and the fact that you are and you will do the sydney skin <laughs> I, I i have no doubt none what's the date when is it 11th of march oh i'm filming i have no doubt you'll do it what day of the week is it <laughs> sunday oh yeah i'm generally not filming okay. on a sunday and, and i tell you this not just no doubt that you'll do it none i have no doubt that you will send me an email afterwards and say that was sensational and what people do is it becomes a line in the sand, right? It's, it's yeah. almost, there's almost a baptism. I'm putting it in my calendar yeah. right now. There's a line in the sand where you come out the water yeah. and I promise you, and money back from me to you, <laughs> that you will come out and you will be ever so slightly less worried about all those body dramas. Really? We have people who, there's one gorgeous lady, bulimic, blah, blah, blah. I'm not suggesting magic cure, mm -hmm. but you go, if you decide in advance, I'm going to go in the water as the bloke I am, but when I come out, I'm just going to be a bit more relaxed than myself. You know, it, no one, it, the fact of being swim for 1,500 people, no one looked, no one pointed, no one gave a shit, la, 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 la. You know, when you go, ah, okay, maybe, you know, lose weight if you want to. I don't give a shit. I mean, I, I, mean, I literally couldn't care less. Right. You know, I mean, I know it's a big drama in your head. We'll make it less of one if you can, if you can't. But the swim will, will help you do it. And what the swim does, beyond forcing Osha to do it, what the swim does is if you create something back to your your question of beauty and truth and integrity like a piece of art right you might look at the mona lisa and think it's joyful i might look at it and think it's miserable both of those responses are valid yeah the bloke just painted the picture is people do the swim for different reasons you might do it to help you get over your body dramas someone else might do it to stop drinks someone else might do it to raise money for charlie teo someone else might do it because it's a it's a complete laugh and they're doing it with their six student mates so it it's i'll just provide it and then other people will project meaning onto it and if there is no meaning the fourth thing is it's an amazing there is nothing else nothing else you can be doing on the morning of the 11th of march that will be more fun so even if you don't get anything from it it's just a laugh god you're in you're in i love it <laughs> You're I, in. I am. Yeah. And, and, and can I, can I uh, just reassure you, it's so hilarious. There's 14 waves because so many people do it, you can't do it in one. Um, the, the first two, because the media love it, blah, 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 uh, the media are there. Yeah. But I've hired nine security guards. So the next 12, the nine security guards, and the media know, are moved off the beach. And the beach is down, it, it, it's Cobblers Beach. It, it, you know, they move and they're not within a mile. There's one road into Middlehead, blah, blah, blah. Then, so I, my personal word is everyone who's in waves three to 14, there is no chance, no media, no nothing. You won't be in anything. And then which waves sell out first? Bloody one and two. I, I, I would think 
waves 14, 11, you, you know, would, would sell out first and no one would want to go in the, in the middle. They all want to go in waves one and two because they want to get their backside on the telly. Uh, you know, in Sunrise broadcast from the beach and blah, 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 blah. But that's absolutely not the intent. I mean, I can't tell you how much. I was, I was all 14. It's not the intent. It's not about having some idiotic celebrity in there. If, if a Hugh Jackman or someone wanted to do it, I'd be thrilled. But I'd, I'd, I'd bury him in wave eight. Unless they said, for some bizarre reason, I want to be in wave one and <laughs> do yeah. the weather on sunrise. Yeah. I'm so pleased you're doing the swim. It's a, it's a, <laughs> this is fantastic. It was worth me coming here. It, when you sat down and I fed you that coffee, I was like, uh, I'm going to ask him about it. And I'm so So scared. how long have we been crapping on? So how long did it take me to get there? Uh, not long. Okay. I think it took me an hour and 20 minutes. You can't edit this bit out. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. This is 100% staying without mm. a shadow of a doubt. Um, but... You wanted to make a positive change in people's lives. You know what got me? What, what got me? What, what you, you, before you even stopped, talked about the, the pitch of getting in the water, what got me was like, actually, you're right. All of the things in my life that created massive leapfrogging change, yeah. not only within my career but in my personal life, um, with how I live my life, all involved an element of risk, all right? And that includes the risks that didn't work. That's that right. includes the failure. That's right. That includes the parts where I fell on my face and scraped my nose across the gravel. Life and expands lived with those scars. or contracts. And there are people who make the wrong conclusion. And, and this is not being censorious. I, I want to try and help. You go, not taking risks to protect yourself is a suboptimal strategy. You might be uh, cutting yourself away from people that might love you, that experience, you know, it's, it's just not the right way. So the swim, I'm, I'm, I'm so passionate about it. The swim is a really safe, fun way of getting under the radar. You just go, it's raising money for charity. It's very nice. It's in Sydney Harbour. What could possibly, I'm not asking you to stand naked in Martin Place. I mean, you know, it, it's a, and, mm. and because you set the bar so low, it's so low. I'm asking you to bungee jump or parachute or give up your job or anything else. It might lead to a bit of reflection. Mm. You, you know, it's such an amazing atmosphere. Afterwards, people are milling around, having a great time, huge beaming smiles on their faces. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, you, are, you know, is that why I said to me, I wanted to try and find something in my life that I could be completely in charge of. Right, 100% in charge of, so I would design. And every year I think I'm going to have to close it because I can't get the money to put it on and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's been six years and we've managed to keep it going. So the, the, everyone who does it loves it. No one, nobody has done it and said, I wish I hadn't. It's just not happened. Yeah. You, you know, so it grows organically. You know, it was 700, 900, 1100, 1400, 1600. It just grows, grows, grows because people say that was great coming along next year. So long answer, but yes, it's, but although I don't sell it like that. Bizarrely, and I'll send it to you one yeah. on one. But but no, you go come along. It's a fantastic laugh, and why wouldn't you? And what else? Yeah. Where and I'll, I'll we'll get out on this. Where did this desire to want to help people come from? Oh, I, I don't know, vanity or, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> Messiah complex. And I wouldn't want to overstate it, but just the sort of the the aching loneliness and pointlessness of thinking the. The person with the most money when he win when he dies wins. Just really is that you know? So I, you know, I've got a nicer house than you. You know, is that is that really what it is? I mean, I, I just just the thought. You know, I know you've, you've, everyone's got to do what they've got to do, 
But if you are fortunate enough, and I'm incredibly lucky with my consultancy and my speaking and blah, 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 but if I can't at the end of the day think, and it could be you bringing up your daughter or, or, or whatever, if, if I'm not in some way contributing, I mean, what is the point? So, so we've all got a... There's the, the wonderful Buddhist phrase, which, which is, uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. We've all got to clean our teeth and wipe our ass and go to work and blah, blah, blah. But, but once you've done that, you, you know, what are you doing? So when you are pushing up daisies, you know, what's going to be the legacy? Some idiotic press clippings, or they're going to go, oh, actually, well, you know, his daughter's a lovely lady and she's doing X or, or, or you know he was kind to without being I don't want to come across as too tree huggy about it but to, to, to have some way of thinking I've contributed slightly to making the world ever so slightly nicer and, and even, so, so the, 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 the mission statement of the swim that no one has seen is to make the world slightly nicer one swimmer at a time so that, and, and that would be so if there's one person who sees a speech of mine and goes that helped me you know give up drink or do that you go Call me easily pleased, but that is enough. Now, I still want to be paid and all that stuff. I'm not sure that answered your question. Do the swim. No, just so, just the idea that, and you said, and you mentioned it, living in this suburb. I mean, we live in a we live in a humble apartment in a in a, in a suburb of millionaires. Yeah. All right, <laughs> the house over there next to the one you used to live in went for eight million. Nice. Ten months ago, yeah. eight fucking million dollars. <laughs> all right, and it's not even that. Oh, I can't even believe it. But we, so we live in a little apartment block hidden behind yeah. one of these uh, fancy streets. And so walking up and down the street and seeing, there's a Mas- Do you know Maserati make an SUV? No. Can <laughs> Maserati make an SUV? Yeah. All right, and I saw one the other day. I'm like, what? Where does functionality versus ostentatiousness, yeah, yeah. like someone in a Maserati boardroom went, this is going to be a great idea, yeah. all right? So every day, you know, just leaving my home, I'm kind of confronted by, fuck, everyone around me has got more money than yes. me. Yes, yes. And, you know, and my daughter goes to parties. Goes, oh, people have fucking lifts in their houses. Yeah. Because they don't want to take the stairs. They put a lift in their house. So, yeah, the idea of like, if you die with all the cash in the world, great, yeah. but you're dead. Yeah. All right. But did you like? Did you die, and the world is a slightly better place because you were in it? Yeah. What an incredible, yeah, it's not incredible a, thing to leave behind. Yeah, and 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 the the marker, and this is not a vote for poverty and blah blah blah. I'm not saying that at all. If, if I won the lotto, I'd keep it all and I don't know, buy myself a new shirt. I don't know. But but it is, it's about the quality and quantity of meaning meaningful relationships in your life. I mean, no, you know, Bronnie Ware, the, the five regrets of the dying lady. The, the five regrets of the dying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Holy the nurse, sorry. the nurse who... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so she was a, she was a, a palliative care nurse yeah. who spoke with uh, hundreds, I believe, mm. of patients over her time as a palliative yeah. care nurse and compiled the, the answers to their questions and they all came down to these five. Yeah, yeah. It's, one, it's wonderful. You know, it's not a joke. People know. When you're, like when you, if, you do, if you're lucky enough to do the reflection before one of those bad four things happens, you know if you aren't lucky enough and you, uh, you know, lying on your deathbed and you look back, you will be thinking, I'm glad I got married and got to know my 
stepdaughter and I did. You, know, that, that you aren't going to be saying, I'm glad at the party I had more fans than whoever else is that, you know, Scott Campbell. It, 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 it doesn't devalue that stuff. That's lovely. It's, that's the medium that, you know, we all got to, you know, whether you're a plumber or a TV person or a banker. But, but at the end of the day, it's the quality and the meaningful relationships. I mean, it, it just is. And, and, and so, yeah. That's it. All right, man. You feel all right? No, I, not really. I now want to rip up the tape. I Why? Have, I have no idea. What are you worried about? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I hope it helps your, your uh, podcast. I think you and I have had a fantastic conversation. I really enjoyed it. Because to get to the why the swim yeah. means what it means, it was important to me that we yeah. talked to the part of what within you created it. Yeah. If we just talked about the swim. Yes, you need the context. That's right. See, now that in the context of where it came from, the five-year-old boy set off on a fucking plane to go across the other world to Virginia to go and find his parents vomiting on every <laughs> transport known to man. If we hadn't come from there, we wouldn't have known what kind of human it was that wants to get people in the water. Yeah. And as you no doubt know, it is the story that makes everything. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I appreciate your time. Absolute pleasure, man. Thanks, man. I'm going to just take your photo real quick, all right? Sure. Okay, cool. That was Nigel Marsh. You can find out more about The Sydney Skinny at thesydneyskinny.com.au. I'll see you there. And Nigel's great. Go get his book, Fat 40 and Fired, and watch his TED Talk. There's a link in the bit where it tells you about this episode. Just go and click on that and you'll see his TED Talk. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much to my audio producer and editorial god, Andy Marr. This show was produced by Hayley Van Spania Music by the incredibly talented Toehider and you. Because if I don't have people download the show, I can't make it. And you're here and we're here together. So thank you so very much. Until we talk next time, sleep well, dream of beautiful things. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.